On Point with Craig's Investment Partners. The information provided here is general in nature. It's not financial advice. It doesn't take into account your financial situation, objectives, goals, or risk tolerance. All investments are subject to risks and none are guaranteed. So before you make any investment decisions, we recommend you contact an investment advisor. For more information about our services in that regard, you can go to our website, which is craigsip.com. Welcome to On Point. I'm Mark Lister, Investment Director at Craig's Investment Partners, and I'll be talking about a range of topics, including economics, portfolio strategy, investor education, and anything else that's happening out there in financial markets. Right. Good morning, all. Been a week or two since I've recorded one of these. I hope you've all enjoyed your school holidays as much as I have. Those of you that have young children, uh, back to it on Monday. Uh, work starts again for me. Uh, the kids go back to school. Uh, number three actually having his first day at school, so that's a bit of a milestone for us. Uh, so I thought I would jump on here and try and get back into the swing of markets as well. It has been a, a bit of a difficult period over the last couple of weeks, and we've seen the volatility across financial markets continue, uh, largely driven by what we've seen in terms of bond yields and interest rates. So we'll talk about that. But just starting with share markets last week, it was it was a pretty difficult one in most parts of the world. Uh, the US, which has actually had a fairly, fairly tough time of late, managed to rebound. So we saw the S&P 500 uh, rise half a percent, but it's still about 6% off its highs, uh, the highs which came uh, in the end of July. So it's still down over the last couple of months. Other markets were mostly lower last week. We had the UK down 1.5%, Europe off 1.2%. Aussie off 1.3%. The local market was was pretty much flat, but uh, the nervousness has continued out there. And most markets are off the boil a little bit from their recent highs. Um, like I said, the US market off 6.1% from its peak from late July. Uh, Aussie's down about 67 New Zealand down about 6.4%. So we've seen a little, little bit of weakness and a bit of volatility creep in. Many markets are still up quite solidly year to date. Uh, the S&P 500 in the US still up more than 12% this year. The UK is flat or up a few percent if you include dividends. Um, the Aussie market is is down about 1%, but again, it would be up if you added dividends back in. The New Zealand share market still still lagging a little bit. We're, we're down 1.6% year to date. So we have had a bit of a softer year compared to many others. Interest rates have been the culprit. We've seen bond yields rising everywhere. Uh, in the US, this has got a lot of attention and a lot of press coverage. Last week, we saw the US 10-year Treasury yield, so that's a government bond yield, the 10-year rise to 4.9%. That's the highest we've seen since July 2007. Um, and back then, uh, in the lead up to the GFC, it was a little bit earlier in 07, I think it was around May or June, uh, that 10-year Treasury yield pushed as high as 5.3%. So we, whether we push through towards those levels, um, your guess is as good as mine, but we are at the highest that we've seen in about 16 years. In the UK, it was a similar story, or everywhere really, but in the UK, we had the 30-year gilt. Uh, that's, that's what they call their government bonds. The 30-year gilt closed above 5% for the first time since 2002. 
which sees it higher than it went um, last September. Some of you will remember that mini budget disaster that they had that was during the very brief prime ministership of Liz Truss. Um, uh, I think that lasted 49 days from memory. But during that period, they released a mini budget, which was taken really badly by the market. And um, the market just saw risk and uncertainty, and they didn't like any of that. And, and you saw um, interest rates rise in the wake of that release. Uh, so now we've actually gone above those levels, which means we're at the highest since the early 2000s. Similar story here in New Zealand. Uh, we saw our five-year swap rate finish the week at 5.35%, which is the highest we've seen since 2010. So not not um, you don't have to go as far back as you do in the US or the UK uh, to find a time when it was that high, but still 13 odd years. So you know bond yields everywhere uh, have pushed higher, and a lot of that interestingly, has been due to higher growth expectations, more so than higher inflation. You know, there's sort of sort of three key components of what makes up bond yields. You've got the, the growth component, the inflation component, and then you've got what we call the term premium, which is what you get paid for, you know, lending your money sort of for, for longer out into the future. And it's not the inflation piece that has pushed bond yields higher. In fact, most inflation readings that have come out lately, uh, we saw it with the PCE inflation in the US last time we got uh, that. We saw it with German inflation actually been a little softer than expected. So it hasn't been higher inflation, but I think it has been expectations of higher growth and, and probably people rethinking where the neutral rate is, which is the the steady state level of interest rates where you're not um, you're not stimulating the economy but you're also not trying to put the brakes on and the that neutral rate in the, the eyes of many market participants is actually higher than them would have thought so that could be a factor you've also had central banks working quite hard to push the message of higher for longer uh, so even though we haven't seen the likes of the Federal Reserve, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand, the Reserve Bank of Australia raise interest rates, they have used their messaging to get the market um, uh, thinking about interest rates remaining at a higher level, you know, plateauing, but then staying high instead of um, markets getting too excited about interest rate cuts anytime soon. Higher oil prices have probably been a factor. We've had the prospect of more issuance because you've got governments that are running higher debt levels these days. Uh, you've got expectations of the Bank of Japan moving to a less stimulative stance. Uh, that could be a factor as well. So I, I think all of those things together have conspired to push those interest rates a little bit higher. No need to really panic, I don't think. Um, it does sound quite scary what you see in the headlines, but it's really only the bonds with extremely long maturities that have been suffering heavily. So as an example, in the US, there's an ETF that, tracks um, uh, treasury bonds with a maturity of 20 plus years and it's it's had a tough year it's down you know 15 or 16 percent and that's because higher interest rates impact those longer duration assets more so those bonds that have got you know 10 20 30 years to run they will be much more impacted by changes in interest rates than bonds that have got two three five seven years to run so when you look at some of those bond indices even in places like the us where the moves have been very significant uh, those bond indices or those etfs or or, or other securities that um, 
follow or 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 own bonds of a much shorter time frame they haven't fallen nearly as much and in new zealand our corporate bond index um, and bonds in this part of the world don't tend to be sort of, you know, out 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. You know, most private investors, the corporate bonds that they're buying might be in that, you know, uh, five to seven year range uh, when when they're issued. That corporate bond index here is actually up this year. It's actually up 2.1%. So it's still performed very well. That's, in fact, a better performance than we've seen from the NZX50, which is down slightly, or you know, the likes of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which um, hasn't benefited like the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ because it doesn't have all the tech stocks. So, you know, it's not all bad out there. Don't don't panic from what you're seeing and hearing. Uh, the bonds that we tend to invest in in this part of the world um, haven't been nearly as impacted by some of those bond yield movements that you've seen overseas. And another point I think we should make is that if a conservative investor looking to lock in some attractive income over the next few years, this is actually a great opportunity. When you've got interest rates that are at the highest levels we've seen in 10 or 15 years, that is a great environment uh, for people that have money to put to work in conservative fixed income investments. Um, So it's a great chance to lock in some of that income, a great opportunity to take some money out of those short-term deposits and um, lock it up for a longer period at rates that are north of 6% in many cases. So certainly not all bad, but it has has created um, a difficult environment for other asset classes like shares. Right, looking back at last week's um, data and other releases, here the big uh, the big one was the RBNZ, the Reserve Bank. So with no change to the OCR, it's still 5.5%, uh, the highest we've seen since that sort of 07, 08 period. And um, in 08, I should say, in 07, it sort of went higher than that back in those days. The OCR did peak at eight and a quarter. So we're still not back at those pre-GFC levels, but the highest um, in, in many years still. Uh, everyone expected it to stay the same. So no one was picking a change. So in that sense, it was in line with the expectations. And the Reserve Bank did hedge its bets about it, what, what it might do from here. The jury's still out as to whether we see another rate hike. Um, markets are pricing in some chance of another hike, you know, about a 40% chance of a hike is priced in for that final meeting of the year, which will come in November. And I know a couple of the bank economists, the likes of ANZ and Westpac, have still got another hike formally in their numbers. So plenty of smart people out there believe that uh, the Reserve Bank isn't done. I'm not so sure. Um, I think that there there is a case for them just standing pat so we'll wait and see it might depend on the economic data next week we've got the the cpi release the consumer price index i think that's next tuesday the 17th so that will be an important one probably the next big one ahead of that um meeting in late november inflation here in new zealand running at six percent so that's down from the peak this cycle which was 7.3 but six percent still way too high the reserve bank has got it um coming out at 6% again um, for the September quarter when we get those numbers next week. So we'll just wait and see, and we'll be watching, obviously, the the sort of core elements to that inflation report 
Uh, that won't be the only thing that comes out between now and when the Reserve Bank next meets. We'll also get some more unemployment figures. Uh, we'll get more business confidence readings, a few more dairy auctions, and some clarity on the election outcome as well. So still lots of water to go under the bridge. And I think uh, something else we need to consider is that those increases we've seen over the last 18 months are still working their way through the economy. You know, you've got mortgage rates that are around that 7% mark um, for the sort of one year, two year, three year, you know, give or take 7%. But the actual fixed rate, the average fixed rate that people are paying is still in the very low fives. You know, I think it's sort of circa 5.2%. So the reason for that big gap is because you've still got a large group of people that haven't come off the old fixed rate and moved on to the new one, which means that even if the Reserve Bank doesn't do any more, even if they just sit tight from here, you're still going to get that catch-up effect of actual people out there, borrowers and homeowners and people with mortgages that will face those higher borrowing costs because they simply haven't sort of moved on to the higher rate. So there's still a bit of a bit of work that those previous increases in the OCR will do for the Reserve Bank. So that's why I can sort of see a case for them just sitting tight and waiting for that to play out. Uh, we had another dairy auction, and this was good, third rise in a row. I think it was about 4%, 4.5%. Um, we've seen a rebound in dairy prices globally of about 12% since mid-August when they hit a five-year low. So we're still off about 10% year-to-date in terms of where prices have moved, but very good to see a bit of stability emerge. And uh, a lot of that, I think, will have come from improved confidence um, and uh, a bit more stability in the in the Chinese economy as well. So that was good news. Uh, elsewhere last week, we had some economic data points come out of the US. We had the ISM indices, the Institute for Supply Management. So you get a manufacturing one, you get a services one. Both were pretty good. The manufacturing ISM index rose to 49. Uh, that's still below break-even. Break-even's about 50. Um, precisely 50 actually um, so still below break even but it's the highest since November last year so that was good that was a bit better than expectations the services ISM was solid 53.6 so easily an expansionary territory you know well above 50 and also above the six-month average so that was another piece of good economic news and it sort of ties into that rhetoric that we've seen in terms of bond yields responding to better economic data more resilient e economies and obviously that's good um, but the other side of that coin is that it means central banks might have to sort of keep the pressure on for a little bit longer. Similar story with the September jobs report, although there were a few elements that were still point pointing to signs of easing. Generally, it was very good, though. Headline payrolls were strong at 336,000, so that's the number of new jobs created in September, way above forecast for 170, the highest in eight months. Um, so the last time we had anything like that was back in January. So that's that's impressive. Uh, unemployment stayed at 3.8%, still very low, but people were expecting that to fall to 3.7. So, you know, that that is probably an, an element of the report that falls into that um, 
uh, signs of easing uh, camp, as did the wage growth. The wage growth was a little bit softer as well. Average hourly earnings rose 0.2%, which was below forecasts. On an annual basis, it's tracking at 4.2%, also below, below expectations, and the lowest since June 2021, so the lowest in two years. And if we take the last three months and just take an average of those last three months and then annualize it, you've got wage growth uh, running at about 3.2%. So we're actually not far off the levels where the Federal Reserve believes um, wage growth is consistent with their inflation target, which is about the, the 3% level. So that's that, that was positive. You know, generally a very strong jobs report, uh, but some positives that we can take from it in terms of where the labour market is going and what it means for the inflationary outlook. The Fed's got two more meetings this year. So they've got one at the end of this month, end of October, in about three and a half weeks, and then one in mid-December, uh, the 12th and 13th, I believe. And Marcus is still... 50-50 about whether we have another rate hike at one of those meetings. Um, if we do, it would be seen as the last one for this cycle and then, but then they'd be on hold, you know, higher for longer, but still on hold. Again, I'm not so sure, you know, like the Reserve Bank here, I think they've done a lot of work. They've increased interest rates um, from very low levels to something that looks more restrictive. Um so, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. We'll just have to watch uh, that data and see how it, it comes out. Um, which brings me to this week. And there, there's plenty going on uh, this week. You know, um, I won't talk about everything, but some of the key the key things that I'll be watching, you know, one of them will be the US CPI. This will be the key global economic release. Uh, this will cover the month of September out on Thursday nights, so out for us um, in the early hours of Friday morning. Headline inflation in the US expected to come in at 0.3% for September. That'll be down from 0.6% in August. That'll be good. Uh, core inflation expected to be in line with August at 0.3%. So when you look at that on an annual basis, that would see headline inflation throwing to, slowing to 3.6, down from 3.7, lower since March 2021, so two and a half years ago. Um, and the core inflation at an annual level uh, would, would come down to 4.1, which is the lowest since September 2021, two years ago. So, you know, good news expected on the inflation front. You know, inflation still higher than the Fed would like, but coming down as expected. So um, that will be that will be something that will get a lot of attention um, overnight on Thursday. It's also the start of the quarterly reporting season in the US. Wouldn't you hate to be an equity analyst covering global equities? Every three months you've got to cover these uh, results. be much easier uh, to, to cover New Zealand or Australia where they only report every six months. Um, I do feel sorry for the... The, the international analysts um, out there because the, those reporting seasons seem to come around so quickly. One finishes and then another one's starting. But, you know, it's great for us market watchers. gives us a lot to monitor and, and lots to um, follow. Um, so the third quarter reporting season will kick off this week in the US. So this will cover the three months ending September. Uh, we've got PepsiCo on Tuesday, we've got Walgreen Boots Alliance and Domino's Pizza on Thursday, United Health on Friday, uh, and some of the financial heavyweights, Wells Fargo, Citigroup, JP Morgan, uh, BlackRock, uh, all Friday. So lots going on, particularly in that financial sector. And that's a sector that will really be in focus, given what we've seen in terms of bond yields rising. 
investors will be wondering what does that mean for capital levels what's happening with deposits um, costs will be in focus bad debts what's happening with mortgage volumes uh, all of those things o- overall markets are expecting earnings uh, for the S&P 500 index and aggregate in the US uh, markets are expecting earnings to be pretty much flat on the same quarter last year so when you take the September 2023 quarter compare it to September 2022 uh, no change. Actually, marginally negative, but it's 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 very marginal. It's about half a percent down. Um, that'll be the fourth quarter in a row of earnings being down, um, and it's expected to be the last. Analysts are expecting a pickup um, and and a return to sort of earnings growth. You know, positive increases uh, from the the upcoming quarter, the December quarter. So, because of that, I think outlook statements will be key. Traditionally, the the earnings season can often be quite a positive catalyst for the market. So, I guess uh, when you think about where we're at at the moment, with a lot of nervousness out there, and with um, uh, the the overall market in the US being down sort of six or seven percent. Um, the earnings season is one potential catalyst that could sort of turn turn that uh, sentiment um, a little bit more positive, but that'll only happen if you actually get some good results. So this week it all starts, most of those big results come late in the week, and then uh, next week, the following week, the following week, you'll have tons and tons of releases to follow. So earnings season will very much um, be in focus overseas as well, particularly in the U.S., uh, that's not all. There's plenty of other stuff going on. We've got the the US PPI, the producer price index, coming out a day before the CPI, the consumer price index. So that CPI I talked about earlier, that's out overnight on Thursday. But uh, overnight on Wednesday, you'll get the PPI if you want to follow that. Uh, we'll get the minutes from the last Fed meeting and the last ECB meeting, um, the European Central Bank. So we'll be able to learn more about why they did what they did and what they think. Um the latest IMF economic outlook is due. Uh, the International Monetary Fund will release that on Tuesday. We've got monthly GDP figures in the UK out on Thursday. We've got inflation data and ch- trade data out um, in China on Friday. So plenty plenty coming, but for me, it'll be that US CPI report and uh, some of those results that I'll be watching most closely. In New Zealand, we've obviously got the election on Saturday, and and this will be this will be the key event. Um, only get them every three years. They're pretty exciting, and they do shape the policy backdrop for the next little while. So, a very important event. We'll, we'll have a couple of polls to come. Uh, we'll have one final leaders debate, I think, on Thursday night. On TV One, um, one apiece so far, as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, think of this one as as a decider. In terms of the outcome and what it means uh, after Saturday, uh, look, um, I'll be honest, I think, I think Winston's going to be there. Um, in the last seven polls, New Zealand first have averaged 5.7%. And in every single one of those seven polls, New Zealand first have been above 5%. They usually go better on the night than they do in the polls. You know, I think uh, there are people who maybe don't want to admit to a pollster on the phone that they're voting that way, but in the privacy of their own polling booth, um, they might tick that box. So my guess would be uh, Winston Peters will be in the mix. He'll be, he'll be back. And that will mean 
that if you do get a national-led government, uh, they will need his support. And, and that's still the way it's headed. Um, my guess would be National Act New Zealand first. You know, no guarantees that he won't go in the other direction. You never know. Uh, although um, it looks much less likely than last time around. Um, if you take the polls from the last month, uh, Nationals averaging 37%, Labor's averaging 27 the Greens are averaging 12 Act 10, Te Party Māori 2.3, and New Zealand First 6, or just below 6, as I said. So you've still got that historically low level of polling for the two major parties combined. You know, it's sitting around the... 65% level, uh, maybe a little below that. And it's usually, or at least often, it's sort of 70 or even 80%. So the smaller smaller parties are still certainly doing well. Um, the right block is definitely in the box, box seat. They will end up with more than the left, probably by a margin of about 5%. So if you add National and Act together, compare it to Labour, Green, to Party Māori, um, the, the National and Act will probably have about more, uh, about 5% more on a combined basis. That's just my guess. I'm not an expert, but that's my guess. Um, I don't think that'll be quite enough to get them over the line without New Zealand First. So that, that's what I'm expecting. Um, obviously, Winston Peters and New Zealand First have twice before been kingmaker, once in 96, once in 2017. So in 96, uh, they went with Jim Bolger's National Party in 2017. Uh, they went obviously with uh, Jacinda Ardern and the Labour Party. They took two months to decide the first time, one month to the, decide the second time. So, you know, we should prepare for maybe um, a bit of negotiating time if it plays out that way. You know, will it be the disaster that some out there in the media are suggesting? I don't think so. You know, I think you hear a lot of hot air from all political parties on the campaign trail, but you know, once it's done and dusted, they've got to work together. They've they've got to uh, they've got to do their best. And I think you know, love them or hate them, they many of them do want the best for the country. So you know, I'm I'm sort of glass half full about how it might play out. Um, also conscious that we've had a majority government for the last three years. Uh, and we've still seen plenty of dysfunction and plenty of things um, not not go according to plan. So, you know, it's not just minority governments with lots of moving parts that can get things wrong. Sometimes a very clean government with just one party in there with a very strong majority can still can still um, drop the ball plenty of times. So, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see. But we've written uh, about um, the election uh, a few times in the last few months and I've recorded a couple of podcast episodes on it so go back and take a look uh, we did one about how markets react in the aftermath uh, in terms of the share market in terms of interest rates in terms of the currency so uh, I won't I won't repeat myself but go and um, have a have a listen to that but this will be the key event for us so it's on Saturday we'll have a clear picture of where things are at um, on Saturday night, um, certainly Sunday, and if, if things do emerge as I'm expecting them to, uh, it might um, take a little bit longer than that for us to get complete clarity about what the makeup of the next government will look like, or something completely different could happen. You know, who knows? What do I know? That's just my guess about what might play out, but we'll wait and see. Definitely get your popcorn, um, get your beverage of choice, and sit back and enjoy the entertainment. You know, it is uh, it is an enjoyable sort of watch election night. Will I 
I find it enjoyable. The NRL season's finished, so I've got nothing else to um, watch on the weekends now. Um, in terms of corporate events uh, in New Zealand and Australia, at least, there, there's a few things, a few AGMs. You know, we're not in the reporting season, but we have got some AGMs. Uh, Gentrack, Meridian Energy, Genesis uh, here in NZ. And across the Tasman, a few big names as well, Commonwealth Bank, CSL, and Brambles, plus a few a few smaller companies too. So, yep, there's lots going on. Uh, welcome back to work or markets, those of you that have enjoyed a school holiday break like myself, and um, we will get back into it and talk again very, very soon. Thanks for listening. For more insights, visit craigsip.com.